Welcome to the discussion, Modern Government Digital Transformation, Data, Collaboration, and Insights, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guest today is Kelly McCool, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office in the Navy's N9. Kelly, thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thank you. Today we are talking about digital transformation. It's a common thing across not just the Defense Department, the Department of Navy, but really across every agency. And for, for the Navy, you all have the, as you well know, and you, we'll talk about today, the double challenge of, of the digital modernization or digital transformation on land and at sea. So let's just start there at the beginning. What is your digital modernization strategy? How does it, from an N9 perspective, how are you taking on this big challenge? Absolutely. Uh, so I, I first want to start with, you know, when, when we talk about a strategy, I like to talk about the why question. And so why does, why does the Navy need that digital strategy? The CNO recently just uh, issued his OPNAV or his NAV plan 2.0, I should say. And it really outlines the Navy's role in this, in this joint fight, and uh, it aligns with our national defense strategy. And so a NAV plan is one of those ship driving terms. It's really about how do I get from the place I am right now to the place I want to be. And, and, and really, both of these uh, guidance documents highlight the changing security environment. We're in a significant long-term competition with China. We have a really aggressive actions both with, with Russia and China that are, are changing our, our rules-based orders or they are aggressively attempting to. Uh, as that maritime deployed force, we see ourselves as a significant part of the integrated deterrent strategy, which is, is a key part of the national deterrent strategy. The other thing is our security environment. It's really marked by this dramatic change in innovation and this ubiquitous sensing capability where it's difficult to hide your actions um, and and we're going to be operating in these contested spaces. So, so with that context, I really have three priorities that I'm focused on. Uh, the first one is, well, I'll list the three. So digital integration, digital modernization, and then decision advantage. And and the three priorities really build on each other, and, and I'll kind of walk through what I, what I mean by them. I want to go through your three priorities, but let me take a half a step back. When the CNO issued the NAV plan, is that it's obviously Navy wide? It's something for for everyone. Does it have a specific piece for the digital warfare? For from a technology perspective, everything's technology. We know that, but right. or is it is it more your guiding principle that then you fit your three parties? It is really the CNO strategic guidance for the force for the future force design, and so it's a it's a whole of Navy strategy document. Uh, in there, though, there's, there's a significant discussion about decision advantage and about having to work with our joint force. And so we definitely, DWO, can see ourselves in, in this strategy as, as being integral to executing it. And then that leads us to the, the discussion, digital integration, digital modernization, and decision advantage. Uh, yes. Where do you want to start? Okay, so they build on each other. So I'm going to start with digital integration. Really what that's about is uh, how do we connect our tribes or our, our communities, our specialized communities? We have aviation, we have submariners, we have ship uh, communities, sailors, but we, and we buy these platforms. We buy ships, aircraft, and subs, but we don't focus enough on how we're going to communicate across these 
vehicles and how we're going to communicate with our joint force. So whether that's our naval partner, the Marine Corps, or the Air Force and the Army, having the ability to communicate across our, our, um, our players at the tactical edge as well as across headquarters activities, having that ability to distribute information in a digitally integrated way is, is really what that digital integration priority is about. When I, when I think about digital modernization, I am not really focused on transformation because of, of the unique nature we have uh, with our fleet. Our digital modernization strategy is really focused on how do we become a software-dominant naval force? If we want to maintain our maritime advantage, it is really critical in this dynamic security environment that we become a software-dominant force. And so really it's about modernizing our our legacy software approaches, which have these entanglements with our hardware. And so it's hard to upgrade our software because we're tangled with our hardware. And, and so we have to break down those dependencies to free us for more agile software development and, and hardware upgrades on a, on a, on a different pace. And, and so that's the third priority is digital, digital modernization. And then finally, digital, or sorry, decision advantage. Really, the idea here is, and this is a central imperative in the CNO's NAV plan, is if we have digital integration and we can communicate across our forces and we have this modernized software where we can release software updates quickly, now we have the building blocks to really measure our decision speed and especially in complex scenarios, what are our areas where we need to improve and then we'll build those software-dominant network systems to really get after this decision advantage, which is really all about making faster decisions with the wealth of information that's out there, faster, better decisions. There's so much to dig out from that, and I think I, I, think I could probably spend the entire rest of the time here together on one of those. But let me maybe start with the digital modernization piece, and then we can kind of, you can fill in some of the other blanks. The fact that Integration is, is connecting communities, but modernization is really using the software to be a dominant force. How are you going about that? I know you've talked to us in the past about something uh, you referred to as Project Overmatch. Is, yes. is that part of that software factory idea that we've seen that the Army is doing, that the Air Force is doing? Is this a version that the Navy is doing? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so Project Overmatch is, is really at the forefront of how we do DevSecOps with a software delivery pipeline that uses agile software development capabilities. And there's a uniqueness, though, because in other DevSecOps environments, you do the development in a way where you're always connected to the cloud or you're always connected to the web. We obviously, with our forward platforms, aren't going to have that connection. And and so we will have a, a hybrid situation where we do our development um, in an agile way, and we'll have the capability to upgrade our software over the air while we're deployed. Uh, however, just because you can doesn't mean you should. There's, there's a lot of learning that we have to grow into, but Project Overmatch is really at the forefront of, of delivering that capability. I appreciate the explanation about Project Overmatch. Uh, it, and the fact is that, again, dissimilar to maybe some of the other services, you have to worry about we may need new capabilities on this ship at this time. 
and we're not in a connected environment or we're in an environment that we have to worry about Russia or China or whomever right. budding in a little too much. So where are you today with Project Overmatch? I know this is something you, you were talking about at least in, uh, a year ago. I'm sure it's been a, an ongoing project. Can you just give us an update of how's it, where is it today, its status, and where is sure. it going? Sure. So, so we have the uh, min viable product capability we're expecting to deliver to the fleet here next year. And, and as I said, that will be our first instantiation of a DevSecOps delivered capability. We're at the moment making sure that the crew that will be deployed is, is trained and, and ready to uh, use the capability. So, so I guess, you know, I talked about the DevSecOps process, but the capabilities that get delivered with Project Overmatch are, are really in the areas of, of networking improvements and then decision support tools. And so that's, that's what the fleet is getting trained on is those specific operators that will be interfacing with these tools and the networking capability, getting them smart on, on how to use the system. And we've had some learning there, too, a traditional training methods of using PowerPoint to describe what a tool does is not really the most effective way to train some of our young sailors. And so we're now using a, a more alive sandbox environment where you can see the touch and the feel of the tool as well as how it really would, would operate. And so it's a little bit more intuitive, the learning that would happen there. And if I could just clarify real quick, you mentioned uh, the minimum viable product. It, it's, you will deliver that next year or you already have it and it will be on the fleet uh, on a initial fleet next year? It will be deployed next year to a single carrier strike group. Okay. So that's an aircraft carrier plus several, several ship, ships will, will have that capability. The, but the process to deploy includes operator workups, and so we're in that process right now where we're prepping the crew for that. And once that gets deployed, I know it may be hard to talk about, but they'll use it as they see fit. Hey, we realize we have this hole or this gap, we'll fill it, and this is how we'll fill it. Is that the basic idea behind it? Right, and there's, there's a significant exploration that we have to do because, as I said, we don't typically when we're deployed, we don't, uh, change software unless you absolutely have to because the true you don't want to have a setback in mission effectiveness with the crew. So this is an area that as the system is deployed, we're going to be exploring with the fleet as operational uh, capabilities and, and operations allow and bandwidth allows, we'll be exploring those over the air updates. And, and what makes sense? What's that right balance? At the same time, does do these DevSecOps approach this agile development. Do you have something on the headquarters side? That's the fleet side, but, but the CONUS side, is there, is there also, we know Army has Army Software Factory, Navy, um, uh, uh, Navy has Black Pearl. Is that the other piece that you're kind of working into it as well? Yeah, so there's, I would say there's a lot of, um, for DevSecOps, we all need to go to DevSecOps. We all need to start using modern software practices. And I would say on the business system side, that, that is ongoing. And what is unique about Overmatch is this, this capability to deploy to the fleet. But in a development sense, there will be development going on shore-based and we'll be continuing to upgrade tools and the analytic capabilities. As more proliferation of DevSecOps goes, uh, goes on, 
I think there's opportunity there for maybe common practices and, and common use cases, but I think we're a little <clears throat> too premature for, for that conversation yet. Well, I'll throw another premature conversation at you then too, because that's what we do, right? Okay, so you get this deployed hopefully next year to the strike carrier fleet. Mm -hmm. um, is that's number one? Do you do you have a time frame of when can we further deploy this? Obviously, it's going to take lessons learned. You'll see if it works. I mean, I, I get some of that, but from a CNO's perspective or, or just the Department of Navy's perspective, do you, we'd like to be closer to this goal of a software-defined organization by? When? Do you know? Is there, is there a timeline like we that? We do have timelines. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, we do. And we're in the process right now of defining what is that capability evolution plan that, that we really want to go after in a time-phased growth approach. On the hardware side, you have to do that pretty deliberately. On the software side, we want it to be paced by the threat, and we'll, we'll have the processes in place to, to outpace the threat. Is the is the idea, but uh, I won't speak to the specific right. timelines. Well, something that I'm sure will come out as you guys find more success and, and have some more uh, progress, uh, and something I'm sure we can follow with you then. Uh, Kelly, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. We can talk about some of your other priorities. You're listening to the discussion: Modern Government, Digital Transformation, Data Collaboration, and Insights, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Is your agency feeling the pressure to modernize? A new app isn't enough. Becoming modern requires rethinking the way you operate. At KPMG, we help agencies optimize their business functions, enable the workforce with digital platforms and tools, and protect critical assets from ever-changing threats. Meet current and future mission requirements by continuously improving and constantly adapting with KPMG by your side. To learn more, go to read.kpmg.us slash modgov. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Modern Government, Digital Transformation, Data Collaboration and Insights, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Kelly McCool, the Director of the Digital Warfare Office for the Navy N9. Now, Kelly, before break, we're talking a lot about Project Overmatch and, and one of your main goals around digital modernization. I'm sh while that's a big project and there's a lot going on there, I'm sure that's not the only thing you're focused on. So are, are there other priorities or other things under the digital modernization category that you're also looking at? Sure, absolutely. I'm, I would say the Navy's really just trying to catch up with industry. The commercial world has been leading in this area for so long. Uh, we're learning from our, the tech giants that have been out there, the Amazons and the Googles and Facebooks. But I would also say I really monitor the car industry. I, I see some closer analogies to our Navy modernization needs. And so that the, uh, the car industry, their push to go electric is really a push to become a software-dominant design system. And, and, and the car industry has this heritage of being very vehicle-centric and building unique models that are individual, uh, but they're transforming and moving to a software-centric area with common software platforms, and, but they don't want to lose that, the greatness that they have as, as car producers. And so I see a lot of analogies with the Navy here as, as we try to move away from this hardware-centric hardware, hardware -centric platform. But we have our legacy systems, and we're not going to be able to start with a clean slate. So, so the balance is we need all of our, you know, our aircraft, our subs, our shipboard combat systems. We need to get to this modernized software capability so that we can have this networked force 
And at Project Overmatch is absolutely our leading candidate here. Um, we're going to learn a ton from it, but there's, there's so much more that we're going to have to do to, to become that truly modernized force and, and have these network systems operating together. Have you gotten a tour yet of, of some of those electric vehicle plants? Uh, have you gotten a sense to say, okay, shipbuilding is much different than car building, but I'm sure there's some, as you said, your analogy is a really good one. Yeah, I, I haven't actually. That's on my to-do list, though, right. for sure. Well, maybe they're watching, though. You'll get an invite okay. from our, 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 our time together. Uh, there's a lot more to talk to, but uh, we have to touch upon data because that's one of your third parties, uh, Decision Advantage, which is all about the data. So let's start at the beginning in terms of how the Navy is really ensuring that sailors and seamen have the right data to make the best decisions. Talk about your data strategy a little bit. In, in, sure. In the... Yeah, so... Our priority on digital integration is really about how do we improve our data transport and, and move that data to and from the tactical edge as well as across platforms, across services, across headquarter activities. Uh, but I would say that the fact that we can improve how much data gets to the warfighter, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to make better, quicker decisions with it. In fact, it can, more data can often cause decision paralysis, and especially when that data is confusing or the, the environment is just overwhelming. And so we need the right tools and the right algorithms to really simplify what is presented to the, to the fleet. So, so what we're focused on is what are the right decisions that need to get made, by who, and, and where is the di- decider physically located? So are they on uh, an aircraft carrier, or are they you know, underwater in a sub far forward? Are they on a destroyer or are they on a headquarters facility in the States? And, and that really matters. And so working with the fleet to have that deep knowledge of, of how Navy plans and executes, that's really where we're going to gain our money. And, and really focusing on those decision support tools to eliminate those friction points, that's really where we think we'll get to the, the better, faster decisions. How does it work today, generally speaking, if, if I'm on a ship in the Pacific, is data getting to me at a satellite speed? Is it getting to me at, at how? And, and where, where would you like to see it go, just generally? or, or you know, yes. every, every situation is going to be different. In a sub, it's different than on a fleet, different than headquarters. But what's, what's the end goal starting to look like? Well, certainly, you know, we have to have the flexibility to operate with extensive bandwidth in peacetime, but then very minimal bandwidth when, when a, a, there's an interest in not being detected, or, or, or B, you just need certain information and you need to be really concise about, about what that is. So it's also a matter of how do you prioritize the data that gets moved to the, to the forward edge, because in addition to confusing the operator, uh, we do not have the bandwidth uh, now, it will improve as, as our space layer evolves and as our software modernization takes place, but I do believe we will always have significant limitations as we operate forward. It's interesting you bring up space. Again, I just did an interview with the Space and Training Command and, and Space Force, and they talked a lot about uh, getting the right skill sets for the Guardians, and I think the data piece is so key, not, not just... They understand how the data works, but but because of, of that issue you just brought up is, yeah. is that spaces make, makes a, will play a much bigger role. 
the other balancing act that you have with with data is speed versus security. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure they can get it so the bandwidth can, can increase. But then again, it has to be secure. So if you're going to encrypt it, that potentially can slow it down too. And then you have to worry about the adversaries trying to rush or whomever tap it into your data. So, so how are you trying to strike that right balance? Yeah, so, uh, you know, security has a lot of different aspects to it. But when I think about the DevSecOps capabilities that are provided we actually will be improving our security posture. So we'll be getting updates to the fleet quicker and we'll be improving our cybersecurity posture. Our, our current ways or legacy ways are to check for cyber vulnerabilities late in the process after you're done development. Now we can check it continuously much earlier in the development. And then if there is a need, uh, a new threat vector, that's certainly something that, that can be provided very rapidly. And so I think in, in that aspect, we're, we're improving things. There's always uh, work to be done to make sure we're not being um, compromised in our data. And so we are actually, I would say we do that today. We're pretty skilled at, at how we do that. There's always room for improvement, especially as we go to the software modernization that, that we want to keep uh, that aspect continuing to evolve as well. The DevSecOps piece is, uh, obviously, Sec is in the middle of development and operations, and what I hear is it's the, you know, really bringing it, pushing it, uh, what's it, to the left, to the yes. right? Always, earlier. The earlier. Earlier. To the left. It is. Can you talk a little bit about, though, there's more than just the DevSecOps piece. It's also the understanding of, okay, today we still have to get data to decision makers and we have to balance the speed with security. Are there steps in the short term you can take? Because it sounds like Project Overmatch is one example, but the DevSecOps process is still several years out. You still have some short-term needs. Is there anything that you can point to that says, okay, this is how we're addressing that issue? I would say, in general, we're making our networks more resilient and more secure. Yeah. Um, And I would probably leave it at that. All right, well. It's always because I know a little sensitivities when we talk about security. Uh, the other piece of this is is the AI, machine learning, predictive analytics, and we know uh, there's a lot of work being done to get ahead of, for instance, when a uh, when a something fails, a piece of hardware fails, it, it could be. Uh, I'll, I'll dumb it down for folks like myself. A ship anchor needs to be replaced every so many times it's used. You can use predictive analytics for that, but then it really impacts also across the board, all the pieces and parts that goes into any ship, any, any sort of, of carrier. Talk a little bit about where these new technologies fit in. Sure. So the way I think of AI and predictive analytics and ML is, is, is really what are the unique areas where we're overwhelmed with data or the problem is so complex that we really need the, the help of AI so that we're sifting we're not just spending our time sifting through the data. We're actually quickly making sense of it and getting to decision-making. So we have a few areas that we're really focused on, and we have work that's been done and is still going on. I think the most uh, common theme, though, is in maritime domain awareness. When you think about the Pacific and how big it is and just the, the amount of water that covers our world, the, the, I, this area is really ripe for AI and ML. Um, our intel communities, our oceanographic communities, they have been playing in this space for, for quite a while. And so we have a lot to learn from their experiences, especially in the area of cloud use versus on-prem data centers and, and dealing with vast volumes of, of data. 
But as the technology is maturing, this edge compute for AI at the tactical edge is, is really interesting, and it's, it's most likely really where we need to go, especially for unmanned platforms. So one of our key innovation engines is, is the unmanned task force, as well as Task Force 59, which is our fleet operational battle lab, is, is what we call it. And in that regard, they, they're working very closely with industry, and, and this is emerging industry players in this space, not necessarily your traditional DOD primes. Uh, and what they're really trying to get after is, how do I use AI and ML in, in smaller unmanned platforms so that you're synthesizing the data much more quickly, you're getting to reduce the workload of the operator, and, and you're optimizing your decisions. So, so this tactical edge for unmanned systems and manned-unmanned teaming, that's an area that we're highly interested in, and, and we're going to need to advance here in the future. When you go back to the maritime domain awareness, you talk about Intel and oceanographic communities using some of this. Are there some lessons that you're pulling from them? Are there some, oh, that's a technology they use, maybe we could use it for some of these other areas? Is it, what's the sharing and collaboration? I think the sharing and collaboration, as the Digital Warfare Office lead, I actually have a, an agreement that though I work for N9, Admiral Khan, I also work for the head of Navy Intel, Admiral Trussler, because these worlds are, as we talk about ubiquitous sensors, the intelligence community and the operators are, are blending more. And so there's, uh, our lessons are in the area of data management and in um, data compression, I would say, and, and figuring out what needs to be at the tactical edge. And the unmanned stuff is obviously fascinating. That's another area uh, are there some prototypes or some pilots or whatever we're going to have, you know, proof of concepts or around you know, applying, whether it's AI or machine learning or some other kind of emerging technologies into the unmanned platforms? Are you there yet or is it still in that planning stage? I would say it's still in the, it's, it's more than in the planning stage, it's, it's in the exploration stage. And, and so the Task Force 59 people and the unmanned task force certainly could give you a, a lot more um, a lot better description, but they are in the exploration phase, and then let's let's look at what what should transition into operations. All right, something to maybe follow up with them about. It sounds very exciting. Uh, un, un, unmanned things, uh, vehicles, or, or efforts are very exciting. Uh, Kelly, we're just about out of time before I let you go. What's the big takeaway from our conversation today? What, what's the message you want to make sure that folks are left with about the work you're doing in, in Navy and Nine? Yeah, sure. I think uh, we're really focused on that digital modernization. How do, we, how do we get to a place where, as our CNO puts it, we can have a move-counter-move uh, capability? So deliver a capability to the fleet, but then expect that the adversary will have some sort of unexpected reaction or counter and us having ability to react very quickly. So uh, that's the most important thing that we're really trying to drive at as we go to this digital modern, modernized digital, digital world. All right, it is a mouthful sometimes that we all we, we come up with these terms and sometimes they become a mouthful. Uh, I very much enjoyed our conversation today. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So let me thank my guest. Kelly McCool is the director of the Digital Warfare Office in the Navy's N9. Kelly, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Modern Government, Digital Transformation, Data Collaboration, and Insights, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG. 
Thank you for listening to the discussion Modern Government Digital Transformation Data Collaboration and Insights sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network.